Hey, today's show is a uh, a must listen. Uh, it is uh, setting truth really to where it needs to be, and we cut through a lot of the stuff that even the even some of the non corporate media isn't telling you. And it's not that they're avoiding it or hiding it. I don't know how many people understand it, and I'm talking about the banking regulation that was coming into play last Friday, but also now it looks as though there's a compromise on a $1.9 billion stimulus bill or reconciliation bill. Do not pay attention to the money. Pay attention to what's actually in the bill. And I explain this and why this bill must not pass and how you can prepare yourself for what is coming. A don't miss episode on today's podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to Blaze TV to check it out. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go. Promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks. Oh, by the way, um, tonight is a is an episode uh, on Afghanistan. Two girls that were, I mean, it's their story of escaping from Afghanistan and the Taliban. And it is unbelievable. At the end of the interview, one of my guys who is a, a an a Afghanistan veteran, uh, was in the room and I said, hey, I want you to meet them. You're going to see something that I think every veteran needs to see. Tonight, 9 p.m. only on Blaze TV. Right after a brand new Stude as America. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. the Glenn Beck program. Welcome. Hi, sir. Um, you talked about the uh, fines being placed uh, by the federal government on companies in Texas. Um, no, on companies anywhere. The U.S. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, does the executive action by Greg Abbott to ban private companies from requiring employees or their customers to be vaccinated against COVID-19 protect you and other employees in the state of Texas? Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling that's going to have to be decided by the Supreme Court, but uh, you are in luck because I have somebody who has probably the best answer for you, and that is Ken Paxton, our attorney general of the state of uh, Texas. Ken, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Glenn. I hope you're doing well, too. It's been a while. It's lovely. Uh, Ken, uh, I just had a call from somebody who we've been talking about the vaccine mandates that are in this new reconciliation bill, $700,000 fines. Uh, I mean, it's crazy stuff. Does Does the governor's action protect companies and employees in the state of Texas from having to comply with the federal government? All right. So complicated question because it involves federal workers, which will be probably treated differently than uh, non-federal workers. And so it'll depend on on who that mandate is going after. It's harder for us to protect federal workers. Uh, It would have been uh, easier if our if our legislature passed something that would have explicitly protected workers. But I can tell you this, if they if they seek to impose mandates on employees like he's talked about doing, uh, we'll certainly do everything we can to fight it. Oof. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound no, good. If it's, a, if it's in a federal law, if, you, if it was OSHA and it was a regulation, it would be different than if they can, if they stick it into a statute, a federal law it makes it harder for us to 
to win. Well, they're sta- so they're they're hoping. they're throwing it into the reconciliation bill, and uh, it's my understanding that OSHA will be the enforcement arm. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me because I think we threatened them with lawsuits if they if OSHA just did it without any federal law. Right. So I mean, I'd have to see how it's drafted. We're certainly going to look at it because I, I don't want my people being uh, controlled by the federal government being told that they they have no choice on on vaccines. Okay, let me uh, let me ask you a couple of other questions. Um, this is uh, this is Jen Psaki at the White House yesterday. Cut five, please. Why is the administration flying thousands of migrants from the border to Florida and New York in the middle of the night? Uh, well, I'm not sure that it's in the middle of the night, but let me tell you what's happening here. Um, it is our a.m. Well, he, very he, early in the morning. Here we are talking about early flights, earlier than you might like to take a flight. Um, it is our legal responsibility to safely care for unaccompanied children until they swiftly can be swiftly unified with a parent or a vetted sponsor. And that's something we take seriously. We have a moral, a right obligation to uh, com- to do that and to deliver on that. As a part of the unification process, our Office of Refugee Resettlement facilitates travel for children in its custody to their families or sponsors across the com- country. So in recent weeks, uh, unaccompanied children passed through the Westchester Airport, which I think is what you're referring to, en route to their final destination to be unified with their parents or vetted sponsor. Is that what's no happening? Uh, is that what's happening uh, on on flights at two a.m. that are just earlier than flights you would like to take? Well, I thought she tried to dodge that, didn't she initially? And then she had was forced to answer. No, I, I know that's going on. I, I've seen it in Texas where there are buses that show up in the middle of night in downtown Dallas. I've been told by police officers that they they unload the buses and these people disappear in the night. So this idea that somehow they're going to some you know family member, their parents, is probably not true. And the reality is, I think the cartels are heavily involved in connecting people across the country because these people pay a lot of money to cross the border. Um, I, I think it's close to 8,000, could be more sometimes, sometimes a little less. But they're, they're, if they can't afford to pay, they're, they're indentured servants to the cartels for years. And then, of course, they're being connected to the cartels. They're all working through the cartels. Fantastic. So what can we do? What can states do? What can people do? This is, I mean, while we're being told we're going to be fired if we don't have a vaccine, they're not even given a COVID test, let alone the double jab. Uh, and then they're just released into our, into our streets. This is not about, this is not about COVID. This is not about humanitarian. This is about power and control. That's all this is about. So, well, no, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. That's true, because if they really cared about COVID, which, you know, let's just say you don't care about federal law and protecting the border the way you're supposed to. You don't care about the cartels gaining power. You don't care about the drug trafficking, people dying from fentanyl overdoses all over the country, which is going to happen more and more. You don't care about all the crime, the property damage, the cost, the social, the economic cost of the country. But you have said that you're willing to fire Americans. And that if you're an American, you can't come back into the country if you have COVID. So you're willing to put harsh restrictions on American citizens. But at the same time, I was just on the border in Del Rio. They come across, they're not vaccinated, they're not tested, and they're released. So you, there's no way that the Biden administration cares about COVID because then not only that they brought in, they're sent all over the country with COVID to spread it. So the idea that they care about COVID at all, one inch, one amount is a lie. What'd you learn last week when you were down with the ranchers? You know what? It was it was interesting to talk to people that are 
honestly scared to death. Their property and their cattle and their, their other animals are being hurt. They're afraid for their families. They won't go outside at night. They carry, you know, a weapon because they're afraid that they're going to get hurt. They don't know these people. They don't know if they're terrorists. They don't know if they're cartel members. They are not, they're not identifying themselves as who they really are. And so these people are at great risk. And I'm, I'm talking Democrat, Republican. They don't care. They are afraid. And the Democrats will often explain it a little differently. They say, well, we just don't understand why Joe Biden, why he, he just doesn't get it. Well, I don't think that's it. I think he does get it. This is exactly what they want. They want to bring as many illegals in here, whether they're terrorists, they are, they are criminals, whether they're cartel. It doesn't matter. They want as many as they can get. My guess is they'll do about two and a half million a year. And Jeez. if they do 10 million and they can hurt the country as much as possible, especially the Republican states, that's what they're trying to do. This, is a, this isn't like an accident. It's not like it randomly happened. When they, when they said on the first day, we're not enforcing federal law, and then, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are coming every month. That is not an accident. This is purposeful. They want this to happen, and all the consequences with it are fine with them. All the bad consequences are, are planned. So you filed the state of Texas with you six different uh, lawsuits against Biden. Where do we stand? Yeah. So the, the, the most I think the most important one right now is, is the stay in Mexico, because that had the most significant impact. And so that one, we were successful in winning at district court. It went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. We were successful. And the Biden administration was ordered to implement the stay in Mexico program. As of today, my guess is they haven't done any of that. And so we've sued them. We've, we've filed a motion to enforce asking the court to monitor them, to give us give them deadlines to give us discovery so we know exactly day to day or week to week what they're doing because they have to be held accountable. They're, at this point, there's three branches of the government. And there's the states. They're ignoring the state's rights. They're ignoring uh, the other two branches. It is, a, it is a presidency that just doesn't honor any part of the Constitution. And their, their view is, look, impeach me. And they know that won't happen. So they just literally the constitution is meaningless to them so then why honestly i don't understand then if we are a state that believes in the founding documents then the bill of rights um and we are living by those and they are not why is it that they can come in for instance you know you said well i don't know if i can protect you know for federal employees i assume that you mean that too for for private employees but if if they are going through with things that are clearly um, a violation of of our Bill of Rights, why does federal law still trump a state law if they're standing for the Constitution? So here's what I'd say. We're in the process of sort of testing all of this. Like we've never been here before. We, we came close to this under Obama. But usually, you know, he would ignore federal law and try to implement his own laws, and we would fight him, and we would get a court order, and he, they would stop. Um, usually, it worked. I mean, it worked. We won Correct. 80% of our cases against him. The difference here now is that there, it appears, and this is still, we're still in the process of seeing if the system can stay in place where we can actually have a court order and get it implemented. So far, that is not working, but that's why we're going back. So I do think at some point, if we have this realization, look, there's nothing you can do to make this president operate under the Constitution, I think we have a whole different question. And we're back to the Declaration of Independence saying, hey, this government needs to be reformed in a way that is drastic because 
the reality is they don't honor any of the Constitution. These rights are not from them. They're from God. And they don't have a right. Joe Biden doesn't have a right to ignore the First Amendment like he's trying to do, or the Fourth Amendment or the Tenth Amendment. It's mm. not up to him. It's, it's up to us. The Fourth Amendment right now with what they're doing with banking and everybody's looking at it and saying, you know, oh, my gosh, six hundred dollars or ten thousand dollars. It's not about that. It is about control. It's the second half of the modern monetary theory. It is about being able to control what people spend and do to be able to, they think, control inflation. That's the actual theory. And we're only doing one half of it right now. But what is in this reconstruction bill is allowing the IRS is telling the banks that they have to report to the IRS all of our activity. That's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And I don't see any I don't see any banks standing up and saying, no, we're not going to do that. Look, we just had this whole issue with the airlines who were her, including Southwest. And we had a protest, the pilots protested, the employees protested uh, two mornings ago. And I was out there speaking. And these companies tend to feel the pressure. Biden has a gun to their heads and says, hey, we're taking away your federal money. You're going to be punished if you don't do what we said. So he's not doing this by, uh, you know, there may be some companies that actually want to do this, but he's not doing this in a, in a, you know, hey, let's all work together. This is like, we are threatening you. We're going to hurt you. And if you don't do what we say, I mean, this is very much like a non-free country now. And this is the administration that is operating in a way that we've never seen before. And, and, and the reality is, I think when we, when we went out protested, Southwest Airlines and some of these other companies said, okay, we're not going to fire these people. So we can still, if, we, if we're not afraid and we're willing to fight and enough people aren't afraid and are willing to speak out, even under threat of FBI investigation and prosecution, which they have threatened parents uh, who speak in front of their school boards, we cannot shut up. None of us. I can't believe we live in these times, Ken. But... We all have we all have our times. We are all called at this time to do what we're supposed to. And I guess this gives us the opportunity to see who we really are supposed to be or who we allow ourselves to become in our shame later. Ken, thank you so much. Absolutely. It's a time to fight. I hope uh, I think I hope Americans will, 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 not, will not put up with this and, and stand up and fight. Ken Paxton, the Texas attorney general, just so everybody is very clear uh, he doesn't mean go grab a gun. If you think that's what he meant, you are a partisan hack. If you haven't gotten yourself a rec tech yet, what are you waiting for? I actually have two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One in my underground lair, just in case they start coming. Oh, yeah. I'll be, gr- I'll be grilling and smoking in the bunker. Anyway, um, you can make great, great food. Um, Rectech, it will grill, it will smoke, it will even bake. It is the best in the grilling game. Smart grill technology, it tracks its own cooking, keeps the heat even all throughout. While you're monitoring from an app on your phone or in a device, not missing any of the fun. In other words, Rectech does all the work. You get all the credit. It's fantastic. Fire up the computer or heck, do it from your phone. Order a Rectech for the holidays. No better way to enjoy it. Follow Rectech on social media. Sign up for their newsletter, Rectech with a Q at the end.com. R E C T E Q.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. 
queen has been uh, told by her doctors that she needs to stay on bed rest and cancel her trip to uh, Northern Ireland, which, oh, my God. can you imagine losing the queen now and having Prince Charles? She's got to be in her Rolls Royce going, excuse me, do you have like some really spoiled mayonnaise that I could give my son right now? I'm just, nah, mom wouldn't do that. I, no, I don't think mom would do that. Yeah. That would not The queen be. might. The queen might. The queen might. Mm-hmm. The queen would be like, I've got to protect <laughs> England and my son will be a nightmare. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me, uh, that's wrong. The other thing is uh, the job doesn't actually do anything. So I don't think it's. All that oh, important, he will. Who, who holds it? Oh, he'll destroy England. Will he? Oh. How? He has no power. Oh, he will. <laughs> just he a, will. Just that thing will be, you know, uh, uh, you know, the palaces. Mm-hmm. Those things are going to be museums in no time. I mean, like, but again, that wouldn't destroy the country. That would do nothing. <laughs> none of that. None, nothing related to the British royal family means anything. That's that's the summary of all the stories well, about the British I'll royal family. You, I'll give you that, but it is a tradition that yes, you know, I'm not paying for, so I like. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I lived in England, I'd hate them. I'd hate them because why? Wait, I'm paying. Wait, what am I doing? Hang on. No, I don't think so. But I'm wait, American, so, so I kind of like it. We have a tradition of a monarchy, so we're just going to spend. Uh, no, hun- they're going to. No, I'm saying I, if you were in England, uh, we're gonna what, we're gonna do what now? We're just gonna no. buy them all this stuff? Yeah, Wait, that's what, what I would be saying. Yes, that's and I'd I'm be saying abolish the monarchy. Yes. I would be saying that. But since I'm a tourist, right. I think it's kind of quaint and cool. <laughs> this is a cool palace, right? right. It's yeah. really neat. I, I like that. that. Look, they have guards. Let's try to make them laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that's our. I think it's extent. an important tradition that Americans started long ago, and uh, we we can't lose those guys in the funny hats. Can't can't what are our kids going to do when they go over to england if they can't try to make that guy laugh just drink guinness <laughs> and i'm about to tell my kids to start drinking <laughs> uh let me uh let me give you a couple of things here uh first may i just may i just say thank you to in and out burger mm. the in and out i knew i, I had you, you got me in and out burger didn't i yeah the San Francisco In-N-Out Burger was shut down after employees allegedly didn't check for customers' vaccine documents. Oh, my gosh. You mm-hmm. must be mm-hmm. vaccinated because yeah. of, for all the healthy activity you're mm-hmm. about to participate in inside the In-N-Out Burger, mm-hmm. you must be protected. Mm-hmm. Right. In San Francisco, people have been required since August 20th to show proof that they've been vaccinated against COVID-19 in order to uh, enter some indoor places like restaurants gyms and bars i'm sure home depot is fine still Mm -hmm. the fast food restaurant uh, located in fisherman's wharf was forced to shut down on october 14th but has now reopened with indoor dining remaining unavailable the company said a statement in and out chief legal and business officer arnie weisensinger uh defended not having employees check their customers vaccine status Uh, now Don't you want to hear this from more companies? We refuse to become the vaccine police for any government. 
We fiercely disagree with any government dictate that forces a private company to discriminate against customers who choose Mm. to patronize their business. This is a clear government overreach. Amen. That is fantastic. You know, there's an argument to be made. If you want to come up with a vaccine mandate that you want to police, then use your police to do it. Right. You're forcing these companies to micromanage the health of everybody that Some walks are in the being door. forced. Some are being forced. Not all of them. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's so much of this you could just ignore. I mean, I, look, we should fight against it because it's wrong. But so much of this you can ignore. I was talking to, uh, I think it was Ami Horowitz was in town. And you know Ami. Uh, mm, I love him. Great filmmaker. Uh, does a lot of great things. And we've talked to him a bunch of times. And I asked him, I'm like, what's it like in New York right now? That's where he lives. They've got these vaccine mandates to walk in the door of these restaurants. I'm like, what's, what's real life like? He said, some places are doing it, but vast majority, you just go in and no one says anything to you. You know, I mean, and that's I, that, I, like, this is the thing, you know, we talk about all of this stuff so often and so much of it is focused on the government policy, which is important. But there's a big element of this that if you just don't do it, it doesn't happen. If well, you're a as business long owner, as NPR hasn't convinced somebody in your employee to rat on you to OSHA. And someone will in a, in a lot of these bigger sure companies. They will. Uh, but again, so much of this can just be ignored. You know, I mean, so much of this can just be, you know, we have speeding mandates all over every single town. And the people who want to go the speed they want to go generally just go that speed. You know, I mean, and like, yes, you sometimes they pull people over mm-hmm. but like everyone kind of knows it's a joke people go the, the speed that they think is appropriate 90 percent of the time and I, I, we we sometimes give too much credence to government you know we don't listen to them and this is the united states of america we do what we think is right most of the time and sometimes people get caught up in overreach of government so we must fight back against it i'm not saying we shouldn't but we also should take take responsibility for our, our own actions and standing up against this stuff personally. It's not always just about what the government does. Mm-hmm. Well, may I just say, mm-hmm. friends. Yes. Friends, I'd like to open the scriptures right now. You see, friends, it was the 11th century B.C. in the land of Israel. Samuel had been the judge of Israel, and his sons who took his place had fallen away. They had fallen away. Amen. They had fallen away. Now, friends, this was a judge. This was a judge, not the same thing as a king. The true king of the Israelites was God. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I get a name? I didn't ask for hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. The judges were the people who God used to rescue Israel from its enemies. And there were many, many enemies. And the judges were usually held high in esteem. Can I get an amen? You can get an amen! But the sons of Samuel straight away, oh, they wanted that evil lucre. They wanted their money. They distorted justice in exchange for bribes. They forgot the way of life that God had given them. And so the people, the people all gathered together and they began to cry out for a king. Give me a king. King! I don't, that's not how this. (laughs) 
They said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel didn't want to do this. So he asked God for advice. And God said to Samuel, if the people ask for a king, I mean, I mean, they're rejecting me, but, you know, they don't want me to be their king. Fine. I don't have to be their king. Beat it. Or something like that. You see, the Israelites were stubborn and God knew it. So he told Samuel to warn. Hey, if you want a king, you know, to rule over you. This guy's going to draft your sons into service, going to make your daughters work in the kitchen, take the best crops, redistribute them, impose heavy taxes. You know, it's just tell them that, will you? Tell them it's from me. They'll get it. So Samuel told the people. He said, we don't want to. We don't want a king. And they said, we want to be like other nations. We want a king to fight our battles. And so God warned the Israelites that he could not save them for the consequences of their choice. That a king would do all of those terrible things. And when they cried for freedom, God was like, oh, you want me now? Oh, I thought you didn't want me. I thought you wanted a king. Why don't you cry to a king to have him save you? Because I told you, you got to do your part. You got to do the things that you want to do. And uh, when you... When you cry out for a king, you're going to get it, and he's going to control everything. And Israel received the king that they asked for. Can I get an amen? Run and low on amens. Supply chain issues. <laughs> uh, right now. All right, stop. This is what's brilliant about the Bible. It lays out universal truths about human nature. We are all looking for someone to come in and save us. And really, it's us that need to save ourselves. If you want a king to save us, if you want somebody to ride in on their white horse to save us, I'm warning you right now, that's the wrong way to go. That's what, that's what the Democrats did. They wanted to get rid of Donald Trump, and they said, he is a king. He's going to do all these things and subject our children to the flag and stuff. And so they voted for a different kind of king. People will give up the burden of freedom for the ease of the moment. I want you to listen to that. People will give up the burden of freedom. What is the burden of freedom? What does that mean? To be free, it carries a heavy price. You have to do stuff. If you want to be free and you don't want a king to rule over you, that means you have to rule over you. And you have to make some really tough decisions. You can't say, you know what, give the power to keep all of us safe to a king. Because once that power is given to that king, that power is not Going to give it back. You read stories in history and it keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. Why? Because people are stupid. People think this time it's different. And you know, one time it was the American experiment. It was truly revolutionary. They were not crying out for a king. They cried out for the king to be removed 
They were willing to die for the burden of a free conscience. Where the Israelites rejected God as their king in the story, the new Americans declared only God could be man's king and no other man. Now, you would expect when America falls back and we lose our way, that we would fall back to the original factory settings, but we're not. We fall back into the cycle of bondage. America changed everything. It is the longest standing democracy or republic in the world. Every free nation looks to us as the model of liberty. They may not agree with our choices, but we have always been the nation of God, and God was our king. The problems we have today is we are expecting and crying out for a king and a government to solve our problems. Anyone who we agree with to give all the power so we can go back to our lives. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for representatives. We want kings. That means we're the Israelites. It means we don't want God as our king anymore. And just like the Israelites, if we keep asking for a king, that is exactly what we will get and exactly what we will deserve. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Imagine you're a free woman. You're 20. You're just going along your average day and you think that, you know, I live in a stable country and these crazy things are not going to happen. Even though people are saying, no, 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 they're coming. They're coming. You really didn't believe it. And now you're walking down the street and you hear the U.S. president say, we're pulling out of Afghanistan. Now things have changed. This is the true rescue story of a woman named Asma who was trapped in Afghanistan, her and uh, over a hundred others, all women. Tonight at nine o'clock, we're doing a special on this, and I want you to hear just a couple of pieces. Here she is, August 15th. It was a good day. I had plans like to, to go to the bank and withdraw some money and then go and meet my sister. She was working close by uh, the bank. It was also in Shahranau, Kabul. As usual, and because of too much traffic, I decided to get out of the car and walk because it's gonna be faster. I was walking, it takes two minutes, then, then I hear the, the fire, the bullets fire, the gunfire. Did you know what it was? No, I didn't know anything. I was stopping there and I was looking around myself. Everyone stopped screaming and everyone stopped running. For the moment, I just lost where I am. What just happened? What's amazing is on the other side of her plan, of the, of the planet, her sister was at home 
in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, watching all of this unfold, knowing that her sister was somewhere there. Here's the next I cut. was really scared. Really. Because you were all by yourself. Everybody is there. Yes. And when you're looking, you can... What you can do for your family just makes me feel... First, I want to hear where they are. I called my dad. I tried to call my mom. They wasn't online. I, I tried to keep calling to my sister. Finally, I get a phone with my sister. She was in her office. She was crying. I asked her, why you, why you are crying? What happened? Are you okay? She said, I just received a call from Asma and she was outside. She told me, don't come out of your office. They are here. Eventually, uh, there were seven buses of schoolgirls at the Kabul airport at the uh, gate. Um, and they were trapped and you know what was going to happen to them. But because of these two girls who you will see tonight in the show who helped themselves first, I believe God intervened and helped them. But you have to take the first step. And they did while the rest of the bus and the girls didn't know what to do. Asthma, she did some heroic things that you have to see tonight only on blaze tv i want to thank the uh the people that have helped in recovery um in the car on the way from macedonia to albania communicating with asthma in kabul and azuda i think she's in nebraska actually was gino chris soraya and al from the nazarene fund blaine from e3 ranch foundation uh, coordinating remotely with the car and the DOD was Francisco from Arxis International, Wade and Jim from Commercial Task Force, volunteers who worked from a rented conference room at the Willard Hotel in D.C., um, and then a lot of people at COMTF, whose names, honestly, we don't even know, including those from No One Left Behind and Samaritan's Purse was in this. But honestly, the ones who really who really got it going was Azuda, the sister and asthma. And you will understand it tonight. It's an amazing story. Amazing story. Uh, something we have not done uh, a show like this uh, before. You don't want to miss it tonight at 9 PM, Put some good news into your life tonight. Uh, I want to, uh, I want to introduce um, Nick McKinley. He's the founder and executive director of deliver fund. Uh, who is one of the partners that uh, we partner with them and do all that we can. I just wanted to get an update on uh, some of the stuff that you guys are doing now and give us some good news. Cause I think people think that this is all stopped. No, not only has it, uh, has it not stopped, it's, it's doubled down. Uh, we have, uh, we have ongoing operations uh, that, you know, we did operation soccer balls in conjunction with uh, Nazarene fund mm -hmm. It was a was a, a great success. Uh, those girls are currently in Lisbon. We are developing a long term uh, landing pad essentially for them and an Afghan diaspora 
within Lisbon for them to be able to really kind of create whatever life they want. Uh, and that's an important thing for people to understand, your listeners to understand, is that think about these these girls. I mean, right? Yes, women, but also young girls, young teenage girls who are not free to do something as simple as kick a ball in their backyard. That's crazy. So think about that. Yeah. And and imagine if if it, I mean all of the things that we take for granted, and even in the in the current environment all of the liberties that we still have that we take for granted and they aren't free to even kick a ball in their backyard, much less go on to, to be world-class at that. Mm -hmm. And so now these girls are in Lisbon. They are uh, being supported by the Portuguese government, by deliver fund, by some of our ministry partners like reload love. And they are, they're, they're free to to really become whoever they want to become. Um, they're free to become a professional soccer player. They're free to choose not to play soccer anymore ever again and do something else. Uh, and 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 that's that's actually the good news. Uh, I, I think Nazarene Fund, I think uh, I was talking to Rudy yesterday. You guys have gotten like 24 flights out. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that 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 is a significant number of people and at significant expense that has uh, really there's a liberty and a freedom that all of those people are going to get to experience. I don't think people understand the generational impact. It is. I mean, think of the Jews that were saved from the concentration camps. Right. And think of the impact their families have had because they survived. Absolutely. It's the same story here. The generational impact is going to be remarkable. Remarkable. Well, the, the generational impact globally is, is absolutely remarkable. And, and, and you're, you're 100% correct there. However, the thing nobody's really talking about is they're acting like Afghanistan is a lost cause. Right. Now, it's not. Is it a, it's not a lost cause. It's a significant setback for sure, but it is not a lost cause. I mean, the, the, the church in Afghanistan proliferated over a 20-year period in a way that it otherwise would not have been able to. Mm -hmm. um, that church has since obviously gone primarily underground, uh, but, but it's still there. Uh, I know of a couple of, uh, of missionaries that are in a certain city in Afghanistan who Western missionaries who went underground and were offered the opportunity to leave. And they said, no, we're staying. This is what we're called to do. Uh, I mean, the, the absolute courage there, uh, the, the, the fact that there were female, uh, especially young girls, sports teams, uh, those sports teams, while they've primarily gone underground or have, have disbanded or been taken out of the country, those young girls will tell their siblings stories about how they used to get to play soccer. And I will tell you, I don't think that the people who are outside of the country, uh, I mean, they want to go back. They, they want their country. They love their country as much as we, well, I could say, some of us <laughs> love our country. Um, and, uh, and they do want to go back. And I think that they are going to come back stronger and they will find a way. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people globally. Well, almost uh, just as importantly, you've got Afghans now, like you, you were just talking about, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And while, um, you know, while, while that's true in many instances, now you have people who 
aren't worried about whether or not they're going to get pulled out of their house and forced into a marriage with a Taliban fighter. They're right. not worried about whether or not they're going to get pulled out of their house and, you know, uh, tortured or, the, or their head cut off. They're, they, they have food, they have shelter, they have bandwidth to think, which means that they can now be more of a help to their own countrymen sure. because it's very difficult to help other people, right, to feed the world when you're starving yourself. Correct. But if you aren't starving, now you have the ability, and especially if you have excess, now you have the ability to help those others. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's another kind of just good news story that's coming out of all these evacuations and, and these girls who are in, uh, in, uh, in Lisbon who, you know, some of them will go on to become world-class soccer players. You will see one of them, at least one, um, if not multiples, in the Olympics. Uh, th this this will happen, and and what that will do is it will shine a light on the problem. Part of the problem, I think, for the American people over the last twenty years, and I mean, I've got thirty combat deployments myself from my time in government, so I understand Afghanistan really well. And part of the problem is that there were no faces mm -hmm. to the Afghan people. It was just it was the Afghan people. It was the mm -hmm. problem over there. Mm -hmm. You know, we would lose lose you know soldiers. We would lose Americans, but we weren't really talking about the Afghans. And it's hard for you know Nick McKinley, a you know white blue eyed American, to really get people to to. Uh, to get people to understand the Afghan issue. But now you have Afghan women, Afghan men who can talk to the world about the Afghan issue. And that is really going to help shine a light on the problem. And, and not only that, but, you know, I fight human trafficking. I mean, that's that's what Deliver Fund right, does right. all day, every day. Uh, and we aren't going to shift the entire organization to suddenly take on, you know, advocating on behalf of, of Afghan women. Right. Uh, we're, we're going to continue to rescue Afghan women and children who are at risk of trafficking. Yes, that we will do, but that's, you know, yeah, Deliver yeah, Fund yeah. is not going to suddenly become an right. Afghanistan based 501 C three. However, the, the Afghans that have left, they will continue to carry the torch for this issue. Right. You, well, it's important, too, I think, for everybody to know that not only that, that people in Afghanistan have real lives and real futures and real hopes and dreams, but also I think it's important to tell the story of the work that you're doing, the work that the Nazarene Fund has done, the work mm -hmm. that this audience has done, because it shows that we can actually make a difference in these things. Um, and Glenn hates when I focus on the uh, the media coverage of all this. Um, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I only do it partially because he hates it but uh <laughs> but let me let me ask you this because i i saw this article that they wrote in vice that you were quoted in it was mm -hmm. about all of these rescues mm -hmm. and when i read it i i what you say and they're giving you lots of credit for for this and, and your organization for all of these deservedly rescues, so deservedly so mm -hmm. and and several other groups but of course with anytime glenn's involved you know sure they always go after him and try to make him look like he had nothing to do with this you throughout the article are clear that the Nazarene fund and this audience played a really important role in this, but they butt your quotes up against unnamed Biden officials who seem to sure. downplay what the role oh, was. said that we stood in the way. Yeah. So what is the truth here? So uh, I, I've said it publicly. I think I've said it publicly on your you show did. before, and I'll, I'll say it again um, that without, without the help of, of Rudy Atala, 
And Rudy only is able to do what it is that he's able to do because he's supported by the Nazarene Fund, right? Right. Um, I mean, uh, yes, my Deliver Fund team did an amazing job. Um, you did Robert, stuff we Robert, couldn't have done. USA, the folks right. from the USAID, um, Samantha Power, you know, uh, mm. as part of the Biden administration. I mean, they did phenomenal mm. things. Um, Senator Chris Coons, absolutely amazing the stuff that he did. It's However, a team. It's a huge yeah. team effort. And, and one of the things that I think everybody needs to understand is in these crises, th- these are apolitical. You know, especially with what we're doing at Deliver Fund, yeah. where we're focused on women and children, this is apolitical. This is a what you're with us or against us issue. And if you're against us, as we like to say at Deliver Fund, thank you for self-identifying as a target. <laughs> we'll, our analysts will be making you our uh, their hobby. <laughs> um, but for 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 these types of issues, it's just everybody comes together in a crisis. Yep. Um, there's no there's no philosophical debate about what we should or should not do. It's people are in danger and we need to help them. Right. And, and so so there, there were definitely all sorts of groups here, but the Nazarene Fund was important here. Like, we're it's not, super important. This and, audience and, didn't waste their time with all of this. No, no. In fact, and and I said this before, and, and I, I really want to hone in on this point because this is this was the linchpin in the entire thing. There's two things actually that that uh, the Nazarene Fund, and then you specifically, Glenn, uh, did that that solved two of our biggest problems. One was um, CAMAIR. Yeah. CAMAIR is a phenomenal organization, um, and I have nothing but good things to say about yeah. them. But, However, right. as a charter company, they were racking and stacking customers. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I believe uh, Rudy, We were their number one customer. You guys were their number one customer. <laughs> right. You're probably their number one paying customer, period, In the world, at this point. forever. Na, na, na.